You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And if you've ever engaged in any kind of a rewards program where you were incentivized to be a loyal customer, then as a consumer, you've contributed to the success of my guests and the ISI group of companies that help their clients to utilize customized incentive programs to internally with a company improve performance, increase sales, reinforce loyalty, help them stay healthy, and more, as well as help their clients to engage uh, their consumers, keep them loyal, improve consumer sales and uh, productivity and profitability by leveraging a range of incentives from travel to gift cards. And so I'm very pleased to have as my guest the CEO of the ISI Group of Companies, Steve Damro, welcome to the Business Hour, Steve. Thank you, Ron. That's a mouthful. Thank you. Yeah, it, it I is. Didn't, I didn't, wow, that's a lot. And, and here's another mouthful. Um, you uh, oversee the ISI group of company, which includes incentive solutions, performance systems, loyalty works, and the reward program slash reward tracks group. Uh, and in a moment, we'll talk about some of those uh, those business entities. But but first, I, I want to give credit where credit is due. And in, and in some sense, uh, you could be considered either the uh, grandfather or the godfather of uh, incentive marketing, and uh, and all of the permutations of that that core concept as it relates to performance and loyalty. So let's start with having you share. Uh, a little about the early concept of incentive marketing and and how that came into focus for you uh, prior even to the ISI group of companies. Well, the the story behind incentives is actually very interesting one, I think. Uh, and uh, there's a company; it's a competitor of mine. They're they're probably the largest in the industry. It's a company called Merits, and uh, they're headquartered out of St. Louis. They've been in business since I think 1910. But the interesting thing is everybody's heard about the gold watch. So the gold watch, where did, where did the concept behind the gold watch come from? Well, <clears throat> during the Great Depression, Henry Ford was, was despite the Depression, was, was selling a lot of uh, automobiles, Model Ts, whatever. And he was trying to keep his factory workers motivated. Uh, and despite the pay or whatever and being thankful of having a job, he had to keep them motivated. So the classic case of work five years, get a gold watch, that type of situation, he found out about a company called Merits um, that was a actual watch manufacturer. And what they did is they imported watch parts from Switzerland. And so there were two brothers. And uh, so he, so they had all this inventory. You know, people don't have a job. They don't need a watch. So they, they had all this inventory. And Henry Ford went up to him and said, hey, I'll buy all this inventory from you. And so so they sold him all the inventory. And that's where the story behind the gold watch comes in. But here's the interesting part. So one of the brothers said, that's great. Let's continue on with the watch business. And the other guy said, hey, there's something into this about motivating employees with non-cash incentives. Because it has a, a higher altruistic uh, effect, so from Maslow's hierarchy, you know, you're, you're going past the, the base level and you're going up to the altruism 
aspect of it. And so the other guy, the other brother said, hey, I'm, I'm going to start this incentive company. I'm going to start this motivation company. They didn't use that terminology back then. But basically, I'm going to give away gold watches. I'm going to sell gold watches. And that's how Merits got started. So I have to give credit to my competitor there. They they were the first ones in the business. Uh, and then... Um, and then, of course, you know, it, it, the business grew and got fragmented, and then, and then new entrees came in, and I got into the business in 1981. Uh, in 1981, um, how you became a salesperson in the incentive industry is basically you had to have a good golf game. Uh, you had to be somewhat sociable, a little bit intelligent, uh, but basically you had to be able to hold your liquor. And uh, that was the type of sale that was made back then. It basically was a good old boy sale. Selling to good old boys. Uh, my business model now is exactly the opposite. I believe that people are informed. They have the Internet. Uh, females tend to make a, a large majority of the decisions. Uh, they don't want to be glad-handed. They don't want to play golf. They don't want to go to lunch. Basically, they want the best product for the best money, best bang for the buck. And that's the approach that we take. Uh, that's our business model. Now, um, <clears throat> you seem to be a pretty good student of the uh of the industry, so to speak, uh, uh, evoking Abraham Maslow and uh, his hierarchy of needs, um, I wasn't aware uh, that Henry Ford, um, he might be the guy that we should uh, ascribe the title of uh, grandfather of uh, of in- incentive. Uh, I, I would think, yes. Yeah, incentives uh, on the HR side. Um, was there a moment in all of this, um, Steve, when you realized there was some potential either um, before you began ISI, um, in all likelihood, uh, that you realized that it could evolve and become uh, an area that you could uh, focus on and and sink your heart and your head into? Well, uh, so when I got out of grad school in the 80s, there was a a recession at that point. It was not quite as bad as the Great Recession, but uh, those of us that are baby boomers remember it. It was after the Vietnam War. And that is when the incentive industry started to grow because uh, Jimmy Carter was president. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, I remember my first house that I bought, my interest rate was 18%. And so it really didn't matter what you sold uh, because the interest rates were so high and there's unemployment so high th- that – Advertising was basically wasted money, and it and and it's a fixed cost. The beauty of an incentive program is that it's a variable cost. So if the program is not successful, then you don't really have any expense associated with it. And I found that that was very attractive for me. Uh, I like to affect someone's bottom line. I like to move the needle. And I felt that by doing incentives and having them performance-oriented, uh, and, and we have our, we have a department that does nothing but monitor ROI of our clients, and we're actually certified uh, by the ROI Institute. So, so what attracted me to the industry was the fact that I could quantify to a client and say, I will do the following, I will charge you the following, but only if it does the following. And I found that that was attractive. Wow, that um, that was uh, certainly uh, an aha. If it wasn't an exact moment, it was an aha period for you to see that it had uh, the kind of potential that uh, uh, 
could evolve the way it has for you. In fact, um, before we get into the various subset of the larger uh, incentive marketing field and the range of your ISI uh, 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 groups, um, let's let's actually drill down uh, under the ISI umbrella and 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 focus on the the related aspects of incentive marketing that each of these groups uh, uh, concentrates on. Um, is it the organization incentive solution that's at the core of, of your business organization? Well, we, we basically we have three brands, uh, and the ISI group is basically a lazy way of consolidating those three brands. But we've, we've, uh, I started Incentive Solutions back in 1994. Uh, the premise behind it was that the industry was changing, uh, that it was fragmented. Uh, when you had the major companies like Emirates, they were controlling things because they had warehouses and, relatively speaking, had some technology. Uh, but as, as the industry grew... Um, it needed technology, and I determined that most of the business now was was going to go and be much more data driven and so I basically developed uh, performance systems group to act as a technology reseller for my competitors. so a lot of my competitors would buy my product and basically white label it uh, but incentive solutions was the original company and uh, Never borrowed any money. It's always been been profitable, um, and it, it's the brand that most people think of. Um, as if you SEO, uh, or if you search, or if you Google search uh, incentive programs, um, online reward programs, um, sales incentives, things of that nature, um, the, you you will you will come up with incentive solutions and loyalty works because our business model is that we we spend our marketing dollars on SEO. We do it organically. We don't do it through pay-per-click. Um, and we try to create the best product. And when someone knows what they want, they start researching who has the best platform. And they go online. They do the research. They look at the reviews. They look at testimonials. They look at the website. Uh, they look at our videos. Um, and, and basically, they make a decision from that. You know, you're, you're touching on how the the technology uh, has affected the business and how it's evolved through the years. I know that the cloud uh, has changed the way that you work with clients, uh, and that the way that your clients in turn work with their customers. In fact, it's it's just affected virtually all industry segments. Tell us a little bit about how the the, the cloud has changed the way that uh, you work with your clients. Well, you know, the internet is such a factor. It's either going to put you out of business or it's going to put you in the business. So you can either lead, follow, or get out of the way. And I made the decision early on that I was going to take advantage of the Internet. Um, there was a couple. There's a, In the incentive industry, there, there's been a couple of what I consider to be momentous uh, paradigm shifts. Um, the, the, the first one was back in 1994 um, where I was one of the very first companies ever to create a promotional debit card. Now, right now, we're 2016, everybody takes prepaid cards uh, for granted. But back in 1994, people didn't even know what a prepaid card was because it didn't even exist until 1993. And people got them confused with credit cards. And the premise behind the prepaid incentive programs was that why would you be dependent upon a legacy type of warehouse platform? So some of the older people in the audience, they might remember the gold bond gift 
gift catalogs and green stamps and things of that nature, you know, and basically the, the theory behind it is you accumulate these things, then you go and, and you, you look in the catalog and it has 1,100 items, and then you look at it and you go, wow, all I, all I can get is a lime green toaster. It's costing me 18 million points, and I really don't want a toaster. Um, so that's when I, I came up with the concept behind a what we call an open loop, which is a Visa or a MasterCard. Um, and basically the premise behind it was that put the value on the card and let the individual go across the street to Best Buy and get, get what they want at the best price. So that was back in 94. Um, in 2001, with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, uh, and the Patriot Act, and then later on in 2007, 2008, the Durban Act, uh, the cards became a, a problem uh, because they became uh, bureaucratic. And this is where the Internet came into play. So we went full circle and we said, okay, let's create our own cyber currency. And rather than be dependent upon a middleman, which in essence a bank is, uh, and we had to be dependent upon banks, and not to slam my friends in the banking industry, but banks and service should never be used in the same sentence. Um, you know, if, if you're too incompetent to get a job with the government, you get one with the bank. And um, the, we had very, very many bad experiences with banks. Uh, so we said, okay, let's create our own cyber currency. And this is where the web came in. And so that's when we developed what we claim to be the world's largest rewards mall. And we took uh, a lesson from Amazon. Uh, the user experience is kind of a combination between Amazon, uh, Expedia Orbits, and uh, StubHub. And so, so we used the Internet, and we became one of the first companies ever to do what we call third-party drop shipment, which means that, that we have a real-time um, uh, advanced protocol interface with about 35 suppliers, and those suppliers... Um, give us the best pricing um, for their products. My system monitors those suppliers and only puts the products with the most uh, uh, with the with the least price. So if you have a particular SKU, it puts the least price product in the catalog. Um, I want you to hold uh, that thought because I want to come right back to it, talking about your relationship with the uh, thirty-five suppliers. We're going to be taking a break. We're here with Steve Damro, the CEO of the ISI group of companies. We've been talking about incentive marketing. We're going to drill down even further right after this break. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? 
and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with the CEO of the ISI Group of Companies, Steve Damro, And Steve has been sharing with us perspectives and, and offering insight into the evolution of the area that we know as, as incentive marketing, uh, which has really uh, evolved, at, at least under uh, his leadership and his team, uh, to become a very uh, high-technology business. And, in fact, we were talking about the cloud and we were talking about the, the Internet and how it's influenced uh, the ISI group of companies becoming or, or uh, cultivating the world's largest rewards mall. And, Steve, just before the break, you were talking about relationships you had with, with multiple suppliers. Um, how did you come to select uh, the suppliers? Well, it wasn't easy, frank- frankly. Um, and, you know, when, you, when you're – so our suppliers are anything from a manufacturer to an importer to a Best Buy, a Bass Pro, Sears. Um, so getting on their uh, radar screen, frankly, was, was, was pretty difficult. Um, but the net effect is the reward aspect of that now is, is pretty much bulletproofed. Um, and it's good in 55 countries, uh, which is somewhat unique also, and we could do a whole show on that. Um, but anyway, so so we established the rewards mall, and you had asked me about the internet. Well, the next phase, um, frankly, is the phone, and, and it's the smartphone. And there's an interesting dynamic going on right now. So for the first time, you have two thirds of the American workforce that is Generation X and Generation Y. That means that baby boomers like yourself and myself are on our way out. Um, and baby boomers assimilated rewards differently than Gen X and Gen Y does. And so you've got what I consider to be a perfect storm. Um, baby boomers, um, statistically, uh, from studies uh, that I've read and been part of, um, basically want rewards where they basically want money and they want a title. Uh, Gen X... Gen Y, millennials, uh, are different. Um, they are less money-driven. Uh, they are much more um, recognition-driven and much more immediacy-driven. So rewards for Gen X and Gen Y, millennials, uh, needs to be associated around being public, being immediate, and having unique values that are associated with uh, stature and a lifestyle. And so the net effect of that is they want selection. Hence, instead of 1,100 items in a catalog uh, for an overpriced toaster, you got 15 million items. 
But here's where the next phase comes in, and that is is they are uniquely adaptive to the smartphone technology. If you think about it, the Apple iPhone came out in 2007. That's almost nine years ago. Um, but what a radical change it has been to all of us. And once again, this technology, the lead follower, get out of the way. And so in respect to um, smartphone usage, there's, there's studies out that the average individual in the United States looks at their smartphone 150 times a day. So now uh, the Pavlovian aspect of the amount of award, time it takes to get the award, or directly related, if I reduce the amount of time it takes to acknowledge a behavior and the amount of time that I give a reward, I can theoretically reduce the reward and hence my reward budget and have a greater effect. And this is where the smartphone comes into play. And we as a company now... Uh, we just won an award for having created the best channel incentive program uh, in the United States for 2016 by Incentive Magazine. Uh, and it was because we were integrated with a very large uh, HVAC company, air conditioning company, um, and we used the smartphone technology. And so um, imagine this. Um, most durable good manufacturers have less than 10% warranty registration. And warranty registration for a manufacturer is like the silver bullet. It's the holy grail. If I can get a warranty registration of my end user, then I can then have a database of my end user, uh, and then I can then associate um, my marketing communications to that end user, recognizing that, that they move every seven years, that the average lifespan for an HVAC system is 10 years, um, that uh, especially with this new technology out with HVAC systems, which are, are ductless HVAC systems, uh, that most of the business they get is by reference or by referrals, so what we call the cocktail party sale. So if you're at a cocktail party and, and, and uh, you have zoned heat versus uh, ducted heat and you can claim that you save 40% of energy uh, and you get a $50 uh, gift card for referring uh, your neighbor to that particular uh, product, then, then that's, that's the highest form of a sales. And the smartphone allows us to do that. And so give you an example. Our smartphone technology now will allow a contractor to take a picture of an install. The geolocator on the phone recognizes the address of where that product has been installed. It then pre-populates the warning registration. All the, all, all the contractor has to do is put in the name of the end user. And we now have the address. We prefer a telephone number and emails, of course. All right. That information then comes back to us, we have an interface with the manufacturer, and we can tell that that unit went from the manufacturer to the distributor to the dealer to the contractor. We then can give a reward to each one of them. Uh, it could be something as simple as a Starbucks card or a free pizza, or it could be a $50 uh, referral fee or, or whatever. It does, doesn't even matter. Uh, the point is it's done on an immediate basis. Uh, and then that end contractor can then, what used to take three to six months, so for the old people out there in the radio land, you remember when you used to change the oil on your car 
and the oil comp the the oil companies had you buy a case and you get a five dollar rebate and that was a big deal. Well, months go by, two months goes by, four months goes by, six months later you get a five dollar check in the mail and you don't have a clue what it's for. Okay, that's not an incentive. All right. Now imagine this: it used to take three to six months for that contractor to get an incentive for that install, and now it takes thirty to sixty seconds. When the bell rings, the dog salivates instantly. Instantly. <laughs> instantly. And, and and you can get that reward to them instantly. Speaking of uh, rewards, you, uh, at last count, you and your team, uh, supported more than 150 different uh, retail gift cards or prepaid uh, Visa debit cards, um, which has to be one of the most significant incentive and rewards concepts. Is that continuing to grow? Uh, yes, um, we are um, what we call reward agnostic, which means that we don't go in and try to make money off of the rewards. Uh, basically, we, we share in the profitability of these programs. Uh, and so in addition to having the world's largest rewards mall, the rewards mall could host an iPad, okay, or it could host a uh, Home Depot gift card. It doesn't matter to us, frankly. Um, what's important now is we're now developing a mobile wallet so that you don't need a PC to order this gift card or you don't need a PC to order this uh, iPad. You can even take your phone now and go into any retail store and scan a product, and it then will connect you to our rewards mall, and it's likely that we have it. And you can order the item right there on the spot, and then you have it in uh, 95% of our uh, items ship out in the same day and are received within a week. Or you can even go to Bass Pro, Best Buy and Bass Pro and pick it right up there on the spot. So what used to take months now takes weeks or can be done immediately. You know, you mentioned having access to uh, up to 15 million items or more virtually. Um, if you've got a gift card uh, and you can take it to any number of retailers, uh, there's uh, an unlimited number of, of items that uh, that you can acquire. Uh, does one of your groups uh, help the uh, the clients uh, zero in on on what I might call um, the sexy gifts? Uh, you know, you seem to keep up with uh, behavior in such a way that you know that uh, people uh, have uh, responded to becoming uh, rewarded uh, instantly. Uh, does it go so far as to uh, advising on uh, what might be uh, in their inventory in terms of uh, sexy, the sexiest gifts, and uh, and and sec. When I, and by sexy, I mean you know highly desirable, sleek, new, modern, high tech. You know the sure. buzz uh, sure. gadgets, uh, uh, and uh, you know that's 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 sort of a, a function of uh, perception, and then you can track that uh, via database. Uh, is that, is right. that one of the areas that uh, you? Well, into? well, you bring up actually three good points. Um, we have a department that does nothing but track engagement. So engagement is the new buzzword for basically everything, meaning, all right, am I engaged from a tutorial learning aspect? Am I engaged from the aspect that I will be an advocate for the respective product? Um, how often do I go to the website and look at particular items? And so we have all sorts of metrics, and we have ways of being able to determine 
what people are interested in as a reward item. Uh, they also have wish lists, and we now um, have reports that we basically send out uh, to the salespeople, okay, of our clients. And so imagine that um, you have a two-step distribution system again. So you got a manufacturer that goes to the distributor, distributor goes to a dealer, okay. You you know what you're selling to the distributor, but you don't know what that distributor is selling to the dealer. And you don't know what that dealer is selling. So through the smartphone and by by using what we call claims validation now, um, you're able to get that information. Now, if you take that one step further and I distribute a report to the territory manager for the manufacturer and I say, listen, your product knowledge for the Northwest region is below standard for what it is that you're trying to achieve. Why is that? Well, because you probably have an 80-20 rule associated with that respective territory manager, and frankly, he doesn't understand uh, the product line. He's not communicating it. He's not motivated to communicate it. He's not embracing the incentives and realizing that it's a sales tool that he can use. And so basically that person needs to be either trained, motivated, or fired. It's just that simple. We're going to uh, drill down even further into something that I consider to be uh, the business analytics part of uh, what, uh, what you do. But we're going to take a break, and we're here with Steve Damro, the uh, CEO of the ISI Group of Companies. We've been talking about uh, the new technology behind influencing behavior, consumer behavior, uh, tracking uh, the data associated with that behavior, and helping companies uh, perform better, as well as individuals within those companies. We'll be taking a quick break, and we'll be back with Steve right after that break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties. 
track and record your garden with photos and notes? Share on Facebook and Twitter and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm your host, Ron Camacho, and we're here with Steve Demereau, the CEO of the ISI Group of Companies, uh, which includes Incentive Solutions, Performance Systems, Loyalty Works, and the Reward Program slash Reward Tracks uh, group, and in fact, uh, my guess is that uh, a lot of the uh, analytics we've been talking about and the uh, analysis of the, the data associated with the behaviors we've been talking about, the consumer behaviors, um, is something that the reward tracks uh, folks uh, are constantly working on to Correct. improve the way the data is collected and uh, how that 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 data is used. And uh, during the break, you touched on. Uh, the magnitude of the B2B market versus the B2C market. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, most people think, you know, going back to the Henry Ford thing, that that, uh, we're doing HR programs. But the fact of the matter is is that we do mostly uh, what we call channel sales, so uh, dealer programs, distributor programs. And what happened during the Great Recession, there used to be companies used to have huge sales forces, and they said, wait a second, we don't want that fixed cost, we want a variable cost. So they're going through distributors. Um, and our programs are tend to be distributor, dealer, contractor oriented. Um, and so as a consequence, one, one of the ancillary benefits of running an incentive program is increasing your database efficiency. Um, Hoover's uh, Hoover's, which is owned by Dun & Bradstreet, just did a report last year where they analyzed 40,000 marketing databases and found that 87% of them were functionally invalid. Um, and I don't care what kind of sales or marketing you're doing, if you have an invalid database, then you, you already have two strikes behind you, two strikes against you. Um, so one of the ancillary benefits of doing an incentive program is creating a database. And I shared with you earlier that if you send out an email and you ask for a survey or an update of people's personal fi- uh, personal information, you get about a 4% open r- rate. Um, now, I'm sure that everybody out there gets hundreds of emails every day, but you probably only get maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 texts. So we now have migrated now to not only doing emails, we do text messages, we do mobile apps, and then we do pushes. And then we also do what we call uh, on-demand variable postcards. So it's kind of uh, one step backwards, two steps forward using snail mail. But the net effect is is it converts. So emails alone is 4%. If I send out a text message, I'm going to have a 40% return. But if I associate a reward associated with that text message, it's up to 87%. So it's more than 40 times more effective and more immediate. So now you've got this cleaned up database. And people are always talking about the consumer being 70% of the economy. But the fact of the matter is that doesn't take into place uh, the fact that most items go through multi-steps before they're actually consumed. And the B2B 
um, industry is actually twice the size of the consumer industry because an item is going from a manufacturer to a distributor to a contractor, and there's a value add each time. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a communications bridge that goes all the way down that food chain. And for a manufacturer who is trying to move the needle, uh, getting references and creating advocacy marketing um, is the best possible return on investment that they can possibly get. But they need to be able to communicate with the people that affect the sale. And that is tends to be uh, the con- contractor or the dealer. And so our, our focus has been on creating that return on investment uh, through the contact, through the mobile phones now. Let's, um, let's gravitate toward talking about your um, marketing platform that, that manages, the, the marketing platform that you offer that manages a myriad of marketing and HR incentive that in turn allows uh, for evaluating effectiveness uh, and let's talk about uh, the something you, you touched on, host-triggered and programmed email and text communications campaigns and how that relates to uh, sales incentives, direct and dealer distribution, uh, channel VAR, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, employee recognition. And, uh, you know, you've touched on, on, on some of that, but uh, you have a, uh, a platform that uh, helps uh, clients uh, better collect and analyze that data. Uh, and, and, and in essence, it's when we're talking about um, uh, helping the client to perform better, helping the client to have their people perform better, um, uh, there's some one-stop shopping here, and and, uh, and you know I, one of the questions I have, and we can get to that in a, in a little bit, um, is um, how the client initiates working uh, with uh, the ISI group of companies, and they might come from several dif- different directions. But tell us about that marketing platform, and let's talk about uh, host-triggered and programmed email and text communications, uh, if we haven't already uh, said enough about that, and then the, the sales incentive direct and dealer distribution uh, uh, network? Well, um, getting back to your initial question about the web, um, we came up with the concept of of building a software as a service platform back in 2006. Um, We were one of the first ever to do it. Uh, We're no longer the only ones that do it. There's other companies that do it out there now. Uh, hopefully, because we've been doing it longer, that we do it better. But, but nevertheless, there's other companies out there. And the way software as a service works is basically someone buys a platform. It's a, it's a it's a one-time fee. It's very inexpensive. It's seventy-five hundred bucks. But from that platform, they then can choose uh, modules, and it can be training modules. Uh, it can link to people's learning management systems. Uh, There can be a survey module, there's a a client referral module, there's a claim validation module, there's a social media module, uh, there's an HR module. So there's a series of about 15 to 20 modules that's growing all the time. And people basically have this on an a la carte basis. And once they've they've paid for this module, because it's software as a service, we've got about 220 clients, as we improve it, it improves for everybody. So it's not like uh, Microsoft uh, 8 or 10 or whatever where you got to buy a new 
buy a new disc and download it. It, it gets upgraded uh, with each new client that we bring on board uh, because each new client wants something that's a little bit unique to them, um, even though most people go through similar distribution uh, situations and most people have what I call the 60 uh, the 20 rule. Um, so they so as it it's improved for one client, it gets improved for all the clients. Um, I maintain that there are three legs to an incentive stool. The first one we talked about was the rewards, and back in the 80s and 90s, that's what everybody was talking about because the reward aspect um, was the most important part of it. And 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 now, very frankly, that's bulletproof. Um, we we do a good job at it. My competitors do a good job at it. The second aspect to um, that stool um, is the why you have an incentive. So, you know, what, what's, what's our purpose? So everybody thinks, well, I want to increase sales. Okay, that's fine. Um, increasing sales is a, is, a, is a short-lived type of objective, even though everybody wants it. Uh, what ha- tends to have what we call a longer tail or what we call mindshare duration is if you make people comfortable with your culture. So if you are selling a product, you don't just want to sell a product. You want to partner with that reseller. You want to make them know that your success is dependent upon their success and that you will do whatever you can to make them successful. Um, So as a consequence, you want to promote training. Um, You want to promote uh, feedback. Um, You want to promote uh, advocacy marketing. Um, so you do that by creating a culture, and we created this this website platform that is customized. It, it looks unique. It's it's done through a, a CSS system, so uh, everybody's website looks unique, but the but the back office of it is all ours. Um, and then we also do it through what we call a single sign-on. So you might be going to a manufacturer's website. Uh, and then there might be a tab on that website that says uh, rewards or training or uh, client referrals or social media or what we call all wall, uh, where you're recognizing peer-to-peer recognition. And um, that's done as a single sign-on from that respective manufacturer's site, and then it goes on to our servers, but it's completely transparent. So that's, that's the second uh, leg in the stool. The third leg in the stool is the reporting aspect, the analytics. And because this is done as a software, as a service platform, and it's not hard-coded, um, these, these programs are living, breathing, evolving type of organisms in the sense that if I'm heading off to the right and I'm not getting the results from all my respective regions, then I need to then analyze that, look at my key performance indicators, uh, and then change it. And what the system allows us to do is very, very, very quickly uh, allows the client to basically change the rules, uh, change the communications, um, change the language, um, change um, uh, the interaction based upon respective regions or countries or products, Uh, change the payouts on the products. So if you're a manufacturer, you want to pay out or incentivize more on a high-margin item than you do on a generic item. And so the the system allows us to do that. Uh, And most important, um, if you're a marketing person, um, frankly, you have to create some type of ROI for your CFO and then eventually your CEO. And that's because that's what they're going to judge you on. And so the system allows you to do all of that now. 
Yeah, and that would be um, uh, advantageous for a client to be able to have those um, those platforms that you're providing to help them do that. Again, it's it's one stop shopping for that range of uh, incentive. Uh, marketing to overall advocacy marketing and uh, you know we've uh, uh, sort of painted a picture of, of, of your group of companies as uh, offering uh, just this broad range of essentially incentive solutions um, and, and, and we're talking about um, analyzing behaviors and, and rewarding those behaviors and influencing those behaviors uh, you're a social psychologist on top of being an economist. Um, we're going to take a break. We're here with Steve Damaro, the CEO of the ISI Group of Companies, and we've been talking about uh, B2B uh, advocacy marketing and uh, the whole area um, of uh, incentive uh, marketing. We'll be back with Steve right after this break. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Steve Demereau, the CEO of the ISI group of companies that includes uh, not only uh, the higher profile incentive solutions group, but also performance systems, loyalty works, and the reward program slash reward tracks uh, group. And um, off the air, uh, you and I chatted briefly. I'd like to have you uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, the 2060-20 rule. And then also uh, we'll shed some light on uh, Loyalty versus incentive programs. Let's, let's start with the 20-60-20 rule. Well, if I may, let me start with the difference between a loyalty program and an incentive program. Absolutely. So a lot of people use that terminology interchangeably, and it's incorrect. 
So let me give you a an example. So we're here in Atlanta, and I fly Delta Airlines a lot, okay? So Delta Airlines has a loyalty program. It is not an incentive program. It's a loyalty program. It's their Delta Frequent Flyer Mile program. And basically what that means is that when I need to fly, all things being equal, because I am loyal to Delta and their Frequent Flyer program, I'm going to fly on Delta. So it's not moving the needle for Delta because I had to fly regardless. It's not creating a demand but all things being equal, I'm going to fly with Delta. Okay, So an incentive program is where you actually move the needle. Loyalty programs tend to be more uh, long in duration. So you know, I've been with Delta for 35, 40 years. Uh, and so you accumulate points or miles, and it starts to accumulate. You don't expect to get uh, an iPad after one flight. Okay. An incentive program, on the other hand, makes gives me a call to action and tends to be more short-lived, three months, six months, 12 months. And it says basically, do this, receive this. And that's what actually moves the needle. So an incentive program creates the demand. And in this economy... And this economy has been basically limping along for the last 10 years at 2 to 3% GDP growth. And most clients, you know, unless, unless you're in some high-tech business, most clients are in a mature market. So how do, you, how do you increase your sales? The only way you're going to increase your sales is by stealing market share and what we call mind share. And so a combination of a loyalty program and an incentive program is the way to do that. And so now let's get to the 20-60-20 rule. So the, the, everybody's heard of the 80-20 rule, basically meaning that, that 20% of your, of your clients give you 80% of your business. I take it one step further, and I say that 20% of my clients give me 80% of my profit. And these are the clients that I already have a good symbiotic relationship with um, that are progressed up what we call the client continuum. So at the bottom of a client continuum, you are a commodity supplier. At the top of the client continuum, you are a integrated partner. And in between there is a trusted partner and, and a good supplier and things of that nature. As you move up that continuum, you also move up margins. And, and so... Most companies have to first buy the business, then establish trust, and then as they establish trust and create more value add for that respective client, then they can charge more money and because they've established a trust. So it's not a bait and switch. It's, a, it's just a natural evolution of creating a partnership. So your top 20% is at the height of that client continuum. Namely, you make most of your money off of them. You make a higher margin off of them. They're not going to the purchasing department. However, they are getting a return on their investment in your product because you have learned what works for them. The honeymoon period is over. There's a symbiotic relationship. You help them out. They help you out. They become uh, references for you. Uh, they are on your board of directors. Uh, you create a president's advisory council. But you create a loyalty program for them. And the reason you create a loyalty program for them is your competitors want to steal them. 
It's just that simple. They recognize that, hey, that's a damn good client, and we don't have them. We need to steal them from that company. We need to see if we can interject in there. And so you create a loyalty program. These programs tend to be more ego-driven because they tend to be focused more on the dealer or distributor principles, and you've established a presence advisory council and you go to Cabo. Um, it tends to be less money-driven and more stature-driven. And that's where, in my opinion, incentive travel is going. So it's not just a question of people going out on a beach and getting sunburned. It's a question of getting your best so best clients who are also understand your business and have the greatest impact on your business and can train you. We get our best ideas from our clients. And I give them credit for that. We actually run our own incentive program for our own incentive clients. And a client gave me that idea. And we're the only company that I know of that runs an incentive program for its incentive clients. And the reason we do that is because we're able to highlight best practices. So getting back to that top 20%, it needs to be a more qualitative, um, subjective, and ego-driven type of situation because, very frankly, these are your best friends. I mean, my best clients are my best friends. Now, the bottom 20%, as one of my clients says, I like to shoot them and watch them die a slow, painful death. The bottom 20% of your client list are nothing but a pain in the rump. They will not give you any business. It is a waste of time, and there's a myriad of reasons why it will not work, but it just doesn't work, okay? And everybody has the same situation. The middle 60%, that's where an incentive comes into play. And herein is the difference between the loyalty program and an incentive program within a same, within the same promotion. So our platform allows us to have a different program based upon the password. So in other words, someone's at a 30,000-foot level, someone's at a 5,000-foot level, and someone's at sea level. So the middle 60% is where you actually move the needle. And that's the one that your CFO and your CEO is going to be happy about. So the top 20% loyalty program is an insurance program. The middle 60% tends to be something that is basically more direct and in their face. Namely, if you do X, you get Y, and you're going to get it right away. And that is what moves the needle. So that tends to be more, it tends to be more uh, associated with the gift cards um, because it's something that people understand. Um, it tends to be more associated with a sh short-term, smaller type of reward, but something that someone can consume right away. And that's one where the return on investment tends to be the easiest to track. And so that's the fundamental difference between a 20-60-20 rule. And you need to allocate your incentive marketing budget based upon that 20-60-20 uh, Makes makes perfect sense. I think a lot of people uh, have thought about it and uh, thought about it in more amorphous terms instead of uh, uh, looking at it in a more structured, analytical way. Um, I, um, I I'm going to just offer this feedback. I, I personally also have spent a great deal of uh, time and money uh, with Delta Airlines and, and American Express and. Uh, I, I am surprised that um, they have not more proactively uh, uh, 
uh, attempted to uh, or, or do not have mechanisms in place for moving the needle because I can think of, just as you were talking, lots of ways they could do that. So I think that they could definitely benefit from uh, having a conversation with you if they uh, aren't having those conversations as we speak with uh, your uh, with one of your teams. Um, I want to move on to the the condition uh, that uh, your uh, group of companies uh, have been collectively in, uh, voted the best and brightest uh, place uh, to work. Uh, you must be practicing a lot of what you preach. Is that true? Um, well, so we're a marketing company. And at the end of the day, our greatest assets walk out the door. Uh, a typical tenure at a marketing company is two and a half years. A uh, typical tenure at an American company is around four years. Our, our tenure now is uh, 10 years. Our average cli- uh, employee tenure is 10 years. And I have clients that I've had for six, seven, eight, ten years, and they've gone through four or five marketing people, but they've had the same account manager from us. And we as a company, a company our size, uh, normally would have about 12 to 14 salespeople. We only have two. And the reason we have that is we base our business model on getting referrals and being account management centric. In my opinion, people don't need salespeople anymore. What they need is a partner. And the account managers that we have, I call them client advocates, are responsible for making their partnership uh, and get and get incentivized on repeat business. They don't get incentivized on new accounts. They get incentivized on keeping accounts. And so they have been given the mandate to keep the accounts, and they are allowed to do whatever it takes uh, to make sure that the client sees the the value in in the service that we provide. So the net effect is we've actually been voted uh, best and brightest in Atlanta three years in a row, uh, and we've been nominated for a fourth year. And and so for me, it's just a good business practice. Um, having said that, I also um, use the incentive platform internally, um, and I use my own employees uh, as a guinea pig to basically test programs out before we uh, introduce them into the general population. It sounds like you have a whole host of uh, programs designed to uh – reward, recognize, and uh, instill a sense of loyalty uh, in your own people as well as improve their performance. Um, uh, I don't typically uh, offer up a, uh, a promotional uh, recruitment uh, uh, statement uh, for listeners, but uh, if there's anyone out there that has some fresh ideas, understands the B2B marketplace, uh, I know you run a lean operation, but if they're particularly sharp, they might want to talk to you. Absolutely. And uh, Steve, I want to thank you uh, very much for taking the time uh, to come on to the business hour for shedding light on uh, uh, incentive solutions uh, as it relates to the B2B marketplace as well as the consumer marketplace. And uh, I hope you're getting uh, enough time to golf. I know you spent some time at the Masters yesterday. It was Maybe a beautiful day. Out for it, was another a, day was or two. it was a beautiful day. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you online and on the radio next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.